A big part of leadership is to motivate people to reach certain goals. Most often, reaching those goals requires a change in behavior. The team needs to move from doing whatever they're doing now to doing something different. But how does a leader persuade others to action? There are two general ways. One is to share facts in a way that leads the others to draw a conclusion that change, action, is the right thing to do. This is mostly an intellectual pursuit. It uses processes of induction and deduction to lead others to certain conclusion. It's what classical education would call rhetoric. We've all seen this approach. We're watching a presentation. It shows data regarding whatever the current state is. And then the leader portrays some wonderful state of the future. This creates that tension or that burning platform between the now and the future. And then a good leader will suggest some first steps or tactics to take that will start moving the organization from wherever they are towards that visionary future. Done well, this is usually motivating. It often, but doesn't always work. And when it works, it's sometimes pretty slow. Especially in recent times, many people have decided that they have their own sources of authority regarding the facts. And so facts can be disputed. And their interpretation of those facts are influenced by a lot of other things, their politics, their recent experiences, the views of their friends, social media. Consider, if you will, how people reacted to the facts being released at the start of the COVID pandemic. They were all over the place. Many suggest that a better way to persuade people is to show them not only facts, but connect with their emotions. I mean, what do those data mean? How do those facts connect with my or my family's life? What would things feel like if we moved to some different compelling future of different facts? And the best way to connect with people with their emotions is by storytelling. Tell a story. Yes, the story should contain some of the facts, but what really works to connect with those feelings with life's energy, with their purpose is a story. Then change is more likely to happen. For example, if I tell you that there's a high rate of sepsis mortality in a certain hospital, everyone will agree that it should be better and they should do things to reduce the sepsis mortality. But what if instead, I not only tell you what the current mortality rate is, but I tell you about someone's daughter who came to that hospital with a simple cut requiring sutures and then soon afterwards died because the wound became infected and they didn't recognize sepsis. What if I told you how that affected their parents, her younger brother, her sister? This data takes on a whole new sense of urgency and understanding. I've got three daughters. That could have been one of them. This isn't rare. It's the lives of lost ones, families plunged into despair. I now feel like, okay, we need to address this sepsis mortality issue right now. So the other face of storytelling is a little less emotional. It has to do with learning how to represent complex sets of data in a way that provides clear understanding. How do you feel when you see a large table of data? Do you get the meaning right away? A famous American businessman, Arthur Farquhar, once said, getting information from a table is like extracting sunlight from a cucumber. I can really relate to that. It's often difficult to extract what's important from large amounts of data. For example, unless you're a business person and you're very close to business, a balance sheet usually doesn't get you very inspired or tell you exactly what to do. But today, we're going to explore the notion of data storytelling. I'm sure we're all going to learn some things about how to convert quality data into meaning and maybe into action. Welcome to Key Into Quality, a Mayo Clinic podcast focusing on healthcare quality, experience, and affordability trends and solutions. This podcast aims to help you take some of those first steps towards understanding and improving quality challenges in your organization.
Thanks a lot for joining us. I'm Dr. Tim Morgenthaler, a professor of medicine here at the Mayo Clinic College of Medicine and Science, and I'm the vice chair of Mayo Clinic Quality. Co-hosting today's conversation is Sherry Nemec. Sherry? Welcome, everyone. I'm Sherry Nemec, Consultation and Relationship Manager for Quality at Mayo Clinic. You know, Dr. Morgenthaler, in healthcare, our leaders are inundated daily with data, whether it's financial, operational, performance, outcome measures, you name it boatloads of data that they're trying to wrap their arms around. And it can be really overwhelming to make sense of it all. Yeah. So there's the quantity of data and they let's assume that they're true, but it doesn't tell me what they mean. And maybe more than that, it doesn't tell me what I should do because of it. So right. today we are really lucky to have Beth Braswell Pickering, who is a senior informatics analyst at Mayo Clinic. I'm hoping that she'll share with us some of her tips, tricks, and motivations about how to turn data into a story. Beth, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, yes. Thank you to uh, Dr. Morgenthaler and Sherry for having me on today. Um, I appreciate the opportunity. So a little bit about myself. As you stated, I am a senior informatics analyst for quality and data analytics here at Mayo Clinic. I've been with Mayo Clinic for about two years. However, I've worked in healthcare quality for over 10 years and have field experience as an EMS provider for over 12 years. I currently lead the Mayo Clinic uh, U.S. News and World Report team. I'm a member of the Science and Quality Measurement Program led by Dr. Benjamin Pollock and a member of the Quality Data Platform team where we are building a centralized data and analytics platform to develop real-time dashboards of over 200 quality metrics used in hospital ratings and rankings, our pay per performance measures, as well as our other regulatory programs. Um, I've also assisted in developing our International Quality Alliance indicators and working on building Mayo Clinic's International Data Mart and Visualizations. Wow. You I mean, are that, busy, Beth. That is a mouth. <laughs> you, you didn't just join Mayo Clinic. You, you, you are submerged in the deep waters there. Yeah, you, I hit Beth? the ground running. <laughs> wow. So well, so we kind of chose to focus on data storytelling. Maybe you could just share with us, I mean, what do you think of when you hear those words, data storytelling? So data storytelling, I immediately think of our patients. I think of places. I think, where did these patient stories take place within our hospital? You know, I think about our healthcare providers, our researchers, and the public. What really comes to mind to me is purpose, creating an impact. And of course, I think of our quality measures. We have to tell the story with them. How did you first get interested in this discipline? And I would think that this is kind of a discipline. I mean, you need a special set of skills and, and interests to go into this. How did you first get interested in this? So my interest actually goes back about 13 years ago uh, when I was a patient myself and it was introduced to the world of quality. And I just remember thinking, wow, what a profession to be in. Quality is investigative. It's complex. I like complex. I enjoy doing puzzles and quality is helping patients have better outcomes and avoid harm. And quite literally, they are telling their patient's story about their hospital encounter. So that really fascinated me, um, and that stuck with me. And then about 10 years ago, prior to my time at Mayo Clinic, I took a chance and I changed careers and began working for a small physician-owned hospital at the time with surgical outcomes and nursing-sensitive indicators. And we really had a struggle there, and we were just moving from paper charting to an electronic health record. The deficit was not only how do we capture all of our quality data, but how can we take this data and effectively communicate insights using narratives and visualizations in such a way that is meaningful for our consumers, which our consumers were the physicians, the owners of the hospital, and for the betterment, ultimately, for our patients. We were utilizing access databases 
and handling massive amounts of data in Excel for visualizations. And that doesn't sound ideal. And if you were to flash forward to 10 years later to now, it looks nothing like the data stories that we're able to come up with today. Nowadays, we have many tools at our fingertips, an advancement in technology and better integration of data within our EHRs. This interest in quality and data storytelling started more than a decade ago, and it has led me to where I am today, sitting here with you. So Beth, as we dig a little bit deeper into your brain here and how your, your puzzle mind kind of works, as you face a certain set of data, how do you get started on deciding how to make it tell a story? Sherry, that is a fantastic question. I would address when facing data and deciding on how to tell a story is to first ask questions. Um, I always start out with first asking, what is the intent of this data? What do our hospital sites need to know about this data? Is it highlighting their strengths or calling out their opportunities for improvement or both? One thing I always want to steer clear of is regurgitating data. We receive a lot of this data from regulatory agencies or ratings and rankings organizations, and we don't want to just regurgitate. We want to provide clear and concise analysis of that data. So then I would aggregate the data and place it into meaningful visuals and narratives that help tell the story. Are there trends? What is driving that trend? Are there outliers? So in working with quality data, is the story I'm telling going to affect the other programs? If so, I need to provide the outcome of that measure and how it affects uh, across the multiple quality programs. Take PSI 90, for example, the effects on CMS stars, LeapFrog, the hack reduction program. Finally, at the end of the story, I would want to provide key insights derived from the data and do we need to monitor something specific? Are we at risk of dropping below the threshold, et cetera? So the concept of sort of beginning with the end in mind really knowing what you want to accomplish, what is the story you're trying to tell or wanting to tell is key, is that, is, is that what I'm hearing? Yes, absolutely. Great. You know, Beth, I'm sitting here listening to that and I'm thinking, I do healthcare-related research, usually kind of start that off with a, a problem and a hypothesis about what the answer is. And you gather your data. I always love the stage where, okay, now I have the data. And so I start kind of looking to see, well, did it uh, support my hypothesis or not? So often I find I get distracted because I see something else in there that sometimes leads to a maybe better question, a more perfect question. Do you find that experience as you're starting with the end in mind to look at the data? How often does it happen that you just find something that you didn't expect? Oh, yeah, absolutely. We find things that we don't expect all the time. I call them rabbit holes. Sometimes you can get <laughs> lost going down them and they can be good outcomes um, or that you could get lost in looking into why a workflow doesn't work this way or how do we improve. However, it's kind of the nature of quality. You have to constantly pivot and adjust to the area around us and the needs of the data in the patient and the programs that we are working with. Earlier, you were sharing that uh, back when you started this work, you had left the profession and then you moved into this new one and you were using Microsoft Access and Excel spreadsheets. And I was kind of having a little PTSD because... You know, I remember that, I mean, the relational database of Microsoft Access was a big advance back then. And now we're kind of way past that. So what profession did you leave to go into this? And what sorts of talents or skills have you found helpful as you've developed in this area? So I left in my profession, I worked for federal parole and probation. I was a probation officer assistant. I kind of worked through there throughout college and Actually, in college, I was a pre-med major. I wanted to become a medical examiner or a coroner. 
Wow. And then I changed my degree to public health. That's interesting. I didn't expect that answer. I don't know about you, Dr. Morgenthaler, but I didn't really expect that. Parole officer to medical examiner to data analyst. Okay. I was an assistant, yes. In public health. Yeah. Awesome. What kind of talents or skills have you found helpful in telling these data stories from, you know, here's, here's a bunch of data. What are the skills that allow you to do your job? So to tell a meaningful story, one of the most important skills to me is data literacy. Uh, Data literacy is the ability to read, work with, analyze, and communicate the data at a level that empowers all within our organization. Do we speak the same data language? This is a huge undertaking, especially in the world of quality. We have over 200 quality metrics. We have CLABSI, which is not just an acronym, but it can be three different quality measures depending on how you're speaking to it. Is it the HAC7 measure? Is it the PSI7 measure? Or is it the NHSN HAI1 measure? You have to know what you are talking about to adequately represent the data. Now, there is probably someone somewhere out there that knows all these measures and their entire measure specifications, and I sure hope to meet them one day. (laughs) But being data literate to me also includes knowing where and how to find that measure information quickly. And then the literacy comes with along with that discovery. Then we have the obvious skills of knowing data, being familiar with your EHR coding languages, Excel, Tableau, Power BI, ThoughtSpot, or other visualization tools. And just having that investigative mind, I feel like every single person I have come across that has an interest in quality has that inquisitive mind to always ask the question why. We are curious people. There's no doubt about that. So Beth, I want to go back just briefly into the the rabbit holes or those things that, you know, maybe were unexpected. So do you have a story of anything that surprised you along the way in, in this work? I feel like I'm not surprised by much anymore in the quality world. It's an ever-changing landscape with new measures, retired measures, methodology changes, um, you name it. But, but the one thing, however, that I'm still surprised about and often hear in the industry is the mindset that hospitals must improve their ratings and rankings. And then this sort of tunnel vision can develop. And while yes, we should improve, these rankings highlight great care and the intent is to create that national movement to do better for our patients. So it's a good thing, right? But oftentimes these agencies and this tunnel vision on just improving the measure can lead you to forget that this data is actually real human beings. That plot on a chart is a person. And by telling that patient's story, by humanizing it, it becomes more impactful. And studies have actually shown that storytelling improves preventable harm. So it's very easy in a technologically driven industry and world to forget that there is a patient behind that data. Mm. So true. How do you know when your presentation has told a good story? I feel like when a person walks away from a presentation understanding the topic that was presented and that they're able to absorb the information and know exactly what action needs to be taken or the where the attention needs to be given and they act on it, that shows that it's a good story. I mean, I have had experience, I know all y'all probably have in these meetings, you have meetings where there's no questions at the end, but they may still have absorbed that information and the data was presented in a meaningful way. It's just, they were told everything and they have no questions. But sometimes you're in those meetings where a lot of questions are asked, but likewise, the story was still well-received, but it just sparked the conversations on how and where do we go from here. But the gold standard to me on how you tell a good story is that the ball starts to get rolling and that performance improvement initiatives are started and you actually see change happen and your trend is going down. 
Yeah, Beth, I know when I was in patient experience and we worked with clinical areas and staff, one of the things that was sort of an aha moment is not starting with the data, but starting with the story. And then as we engage people, right, and have more of those conversations, then sharing the data and making meaning uh, out of that. So as we continue to try to create this culture of storytelling within Mayo Clinic, what do you think the impact will be on um, not only our staff, but patients? I think by us continuing to drive forward with asking the why, why is this data important and bringing it back to our patients and our healthcare providers, we will be able to make more informed decisions and positively impact our quality outcomes. Telling a good data story, the impact is going to be huge across the organization. You know, Beth, it's so, I, I get so excited to hear you talk about that because it can be such a technical field. And I'm always uh, constantly inspired by people who have the technical skills, but don't forget what we're really about about here, which is to impact patients in a favorable way. So thank you for that. You've obviously come a long way from access and Excel to some of the dashboards that I get to see as a result of your work and the conversations that happen. What do you think are the next steps from here? Do a little crystal ball for us. Well, my immediate next steps are the U.S. News Maternity Survey that's released next month and the U.S. News Adult Embargo this July. But just continuing to encourage myself and our teams to forge a connection to the patient and the purpose in their data to tell not only our patient story, but our organization's story, continually working on better visuals to display the data, and of course, integrating the use of predictive analytics to project where we are going. If I had a crystal ball, I mean, we would have the use of AI predicting where we're going with our quality measures, and we're really close in the quality data platform and the the tools that we're building out is very exciting. So Beth, many of our listeners are probably saying, hey, this is great. I love this concept, this idea of you know, data and human connection, and are wondering maybe how do I grow my ability to tell stories from data? What would you advise that they do or where they start? I'd suggest just getting started. To me, there's no wrong way to go about it or no wrong tool or application that you could use to tell your hospital's quality story. There are tons of videos on YouTube or out there on the web um, and elsewhere for tips and tricks on various tools. Ensure that you're working closely with other departments, your IT professionals, CDI, and any others that you can collaborate to get the entire story told. Um, and if you're not ready to jump into more real-time data and querying of your electronic health record, you can even start with the data that is provided to you uh, by CMS or other regulatory agencies. I just encourage my team members and colleagues and the listeners here today that you're not just regurgitating data. And I know I've said that twice today, but to me, it's imperative in hospital quality that you do not lose your audience with your storytelling and that this will surely happen when you're just regurgitating data. And we all know and have seen these reports provided by these regulatory agencies and the methodologies and the calculations and the complexities. But what does that all mean? Your analysts may know it but how do you communicate a purposeful and in an impactful way you analyze and you tell that patient story, that data story. So I have an example. So take CMS's value-based purchasing and their program percentage payment summary report, for example, that came out a few weeks ago. Let's say you have one hospital that didn't receive all achievement and improvement points for mortality 30 AMI. So what does that mean for their measure score? What are the hospital's strengths and opportunities for improvement in that measure? 
Is this a trend across multiple hospitals? Is this a trend over the last few reports? And what does that mean for your overall value-based purchasing incentive payment percentage and your TPS score? Provide that in a narrative and visual format that hooks your consumers and clearly shows them where they need to focus and do their amazing work. This is what quality data storytelling is all about. Seeing the facts clearly in visuals and guiding viewers through the data and explaining the results and its implications in a way that is easily understandable. And when I say implications, I mean not only for the regulatory program requirements or the ratings and rankings organizations, but also the implications for our patients. My number one tip to grow your ability to storytell is to not forget to peopleize your data. Wow, that's great advice. It's been a joy to have you. A great conversation. Yes. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Yes, please do. So we've come to the end of our podcast. We're really glad that uh, you all could join us, and we hope that the information and discussion provided has been insightful and valuable. Again, Mayo Clinic's Key into Quality podcast aims to help you take some of those first steps to address important quality challenges in your organization. The development of this podcast is part of our effort to be a valued resource to healthcare organizations striving to improve. Our goal is to improve quality for patients and populations that we all serve. Let others in your organization know about this podcast so the information can be spread and share your ideas about this podcast with us so we can continue to serve you and improve our podcasts. Until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.